preach people, right? And can you believe I even got your hand out today? So as we pray for unreached peoples, uh, you know what country's been on my heart. What country's been on my heart? Pakistan. So here we have been praying for Pakistan and these unreached people groups. And so what I did is gave you a list of about 16. Some of them we have been talking about, some we haven't. But you're going to have a list that you can keep praying for all month long, right? And I don't know if there's a nation with more unique unreached people groups than Pakistan. So in all of these groups you have listed there, there's never been a believer and never a single church. And looking at the numbers takes your breath away, doesn't it? I didn't give you in-depth information, just little bits like the Jock people, 727,000. They love herding sheep and they're sheep herders. The Genoir, 780,000. These people are big into boating, fishing, and carrying water. 929,000 Cambo. They are really proud because they come from the historical Kai dynasty. They're noted to be exceptionally polite and well-behaved and noble people. Kashmiri, 1.3 million, live in the most, one of the most beautiful places on this planet. In the Himalayan mountains in the Kashmir area where there is horrific warfare and terror, they have suffered the brutality of war for as long as they can remember one of the most war-filled areas on the planet, the Kashmir region. Kachri, 1.1 million, they're big in trading and business and they know how to do it well and they're middle class. Koja, 960,000 traders, a very unique people group because they love fellowship with everybody. In the Hindu Muslim society, you know, certain people say, we want fellowship with you. They say, the Koja just love everybody. They want to fellowship with everybody. The Lohar, uh, 2.1 million, we talked about them, nomadic blacksmiths. The Kumhar, 3.7 million, they are known to be great potters. The Paki, yeah, you want to have a fishing pole, 2.5 million, and they're known for their fishing. The Mawadi, 937,000, they combine Hindu and Islam. The Marasi, uh, Joel and Sonia, and Mark, they love music. 1.9 million noted for their musical gifts. The Moki, 3.6 million, they say work with leather like nobody else. The Mogul, 3.1 million are prominent and respected. The Musali, 2.5 million, and they are the latrine cleaners. So none of these. Isn't that amazing? Look at those numbers. I can't even imagine adding that up. Millions and millions and millions. Not a single church, not a single person set free into the gospel. So I want to pray for them, and you can use your sheet. Lord, I think, again, we pray for them all, but I keep coming back to the Musali people, 2.5 million, who are despised and considered, they're even mocked and ridiculed because of their menial task, and they are the sanitation workers, the latrine workers, and they say everybody in Pakistan looks down on them. I'm so glad that there is a person who looks down from heaven on them with love. Amen. Father Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you love these latrine workers, and you have asked us to pray that the Lord of the harvest would thrust labors into his harvest field. I pray for the day when the demonic strongholds that enslave Pakistan will be shattered because Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And you also came that we might have life and have it abundantly. And I'll look for the gospel, abundant life in a Christ to flourish in every single people group in Pakistan, including the Musali people. And that one day that nation will be known as an amazing place of revival 
where the gospel of Jesus turned the country upside down with the love of the cross. And we pray this all together in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. So now we have to start with the children. So this young fella, I got something I'm going to let you hold for a while. If you promise you'll give it back. You promise you'll give it back if I hand it to you? If you don't give it back, I will be in sis, sis trouble. It's in my pocket here, and we'll open it up. We'll see if you can figure out what it is, all right? So I'm going to hand it to you. Yeah, it's got somebody's picture on it. Wow. That's you. That's me. <laughs> That's my picture. What do you think that thing is? Huh? Do you have any idea what that card is? I don't know. Any guesses? Mm -mm. Any guesses? They have a name for that. They actually call that a cash points card. Oh. It's called a cash points card. And guess what you can do with that card? Well, all over the United States and even places all over the world, you can go up to a machine and take that thing and stick it in, and then guess what you can get out of that machine? What? Money. <laughs> can you believe that? You can get money out of there. That's all right. Pretty cool card, huh? And you know what the interesting thing about that card is, Jonathan? You can use it 24-7. So here's a card that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I could go Sunday at 2 in the morning. Or I could go Thursday at 3 in the afternoon, or I could get up uh, Thursday at uh, 5 a.m., and I can go stoosh all the time. So this card actually gives me 24-7 uh, access. That means every single day and every single second of every single day, that card gives me access to what? Money. Money, you're right. So what I want to talk about is something way more important that also is 24-7. So I want to talk about 24-second, every single second of every single day access. And I'm going to actually read a verse to help you understand it. Much more important access. So can y'all listen to these words? Uh, from Hebrews chapter 9. I want you to hear about access. Hebrews chapter 9 says this says, now the first covenant had specific regulations that governed their divine worship and the sanctuary. There was a tabernacle, a big building prepared for an outer one in which was a lampstand and a table and sacred bread, and they had a name for that place. You know what that place was called, anybody? The holy place. And behind it, there was a second veil. And there was a building there called a tabernacle called the Holy of Holies. It had a golden altar of incense, the Ark of the Covenant with the Ten Commandments in it, covered on every single side with gold. It had a golden jar holding the manna that they collected in the wilderness, and Aaron's famous miracle rod that budded, and the tables of the Ten Commandments that Moses brought down from the mountain. Above it were cherubim of glory, angels, uh, they had carved these unbelievably gold angels, overshadowing something called the mercy seat. The mercy seat. When these and into the second place, only one person could go. Who? The high priest. How often? Once a year. Once a so one person, one day. Can you say one person, one day? One person. So the place where God lived 
in the Holy of Holies, where literally you could see the presence of God, where you could feel His presence. And everywhere Israel went, the holiest of holies was where God in His glory, right on top of the mercy seat, dwelled. One person, how often? Once a year. year. One person, one day. And He could never go there without taking something with Him. What? Blood. Had to have blood. He couldn't go there without blood, which he would offer a sacrifice for himself and for the sins of the people. Wow. But when Christ appeared, when Jesus Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through a far greater tabernacle, one that wasn't made with human hands, not of this creation, And he didn't enter there through the blood of a calf and a goat, but whose blood do you think he took? His own. His own blood. He entered one time for all his people to obtain from them a gift of eternal redemption. And in chapter 10 it's described this way. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, we now have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. I want to say it one more time. Now, Old Testament, how many people? One person, one time. Now, all God's people, all the time. Much better than this 24-7 access here. Wow, wow, 24-7. Is it just Mark? No. Is it just Sonia? No. Is it just Booty? No. Is it just Pastor Joseph? No. Is it just pastors? Just holy people? No. Not one person one time, but all his people all the time. Unbelievable. Listen again. We now have confidence to enter into the holiest of holies by the blood of Jesus. This is a brand new way. It's a living way. Jesus inaugurated it through the veil with his own flesh. And we now have a great high priest Jesus over the house of God. Now we can draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith and get our hearts sprinkled clean from our evil conscience, getting our bodies washed with water. Let's hold fast this confession of our hope without wavering because our God who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate each other to love and good deeds, never forsaking our assembly together as is the habit of some, but encouraging each more, all the more as you see the day drawing near. Uh, we don't think about this enough, I don't think. So in the Old Testament, one person what? One day. But now all God's people, when? All the time. But I've got a very important thing to explain to you, and that is this card. I'm going to get it out again. Is that a Gentile or a non-Gentile? <laughs> 24-7 access right here, but I want to explain something very important to you, and I don't want you to miss this. I can have this card which promises me what? access and then I can choose not to use it wow so you mean Pastor Brian you can have the gift of the 24-7 access and never avail yourself to the riches of it you betcha you betcha I can have access but not use it 
And so I want to talk about today is really, really important because I can't explain how important enough. You can have access by the blood of Jesus into the holiest of holies and not choose to dwell there, even as a believer. Even as a believer. This is access, one person one day, Uh uh-uh. All people what? All the time. Because by the blood of Jesus, all God's people all the time are invited into the holiest of holies to actually dwell there and experience the presence and blessings of God in supernatural way. But you can have access and choose not to use it. Wow. Why would anybody do that? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that, all right? Amen? So, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I thank you for the blood. Make me want to cry. Mark talked about crying when you've been away, when you just hear the word Jesus. Lord, it can make us cry thinking about the blood of Jesus Christ, crucified and spilt so that sinners could go into the holiest of holies place, the greatest place in the universe. Not one person, one day, but all your people all the time are invited into a most special, holy, holy, holy place. In the name of Jesus. Teach us. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Hallelujah. Listen again. It's good to listen to the Word of God, isn't it? So let's actually pray again. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for access. The access into the holiest of holies, not for one priest one day, but for all people all the time. And we're believing that you want to teach us a lot about that today, this afternoon. And we invite you, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, to be our teacher in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want you to listen again to Jesus as he discusses the same thing. Uh, This will be coming from John 14, various verses, so I just want you to listen carefully, okay? These are the words of Jesus. He said, I'm leaving. (laughs) That made their heart awful troubled. And he said, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be upset that I'm leaving. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or dwelling places or abodes. There are many places to live in my Father's house. If it were not so, I would have told you, because I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be too. Isn't that a spectacular thought? So like, Jesus has gone to prepare a place for Mark, a special, I mean, a more beautiful house than you could ever even dream that has no one's name but his. And Jesus is preparing him for the place and preparing, I mean, preparing the place for him and preparing him for the place. And at just the right time, he gets to go home to be with Jesus in the spectacular place that Jesus has prepared for you. My Father's house, many dwelling places. If it weren't so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a specific place for you. If I go and prepare that place for you, then I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you can be too. Verse 17, the Holy Spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it doesn't behold him or know him, but you know him. And because he lives with you, he is going to live in you. And I won't leave you as an orphan. I'm going to come to you. After a little while, the world will behold me no more, but you'll behold me. And because I live, 
you'll live too. And that day you will know I am in my Father, you're in me, and I am in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I'll love him too, and I will disclose and reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said, Oh, Lord, what's happening? So you're going to be able to reveal and disclose yourself to us, but not to the world. Jesus answered Judas and said to him, If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come and make our dwelling place in you. Amazing, isn't it? So as we wait for our dwelling place in heaven, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit come and make their dwelling place what? In us. Isn't that staggering? So as we wait for that perfect place in heaven, God comes and makes us his perfect place now. It's the same word used, mansion. So the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit come now to live in us. As we prepare to live in the new heavens and new earth, the Trinity comes to live in us. So what does that mean? That means Mark's waiting for his perfect place up there, right? Right? But guess what? God wants, perfect Jesus wants, Mark to live in a perfect place right now. Right now. Isn't that staggering? God's got a perfect place for Mark to live in now as he waits for his perfect place in heaven. And as he waits to live in his perfect place in heaven, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, the whole Trinity comes in his what? Heart. So then his heart. And as they are living in his heart, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit wants Mark to live right now in a perfect place. So what is this perfect place that the Father wants Mark to live in? Jesus wants Mark to live there, and so does the Holy Spirit. Well, you go right back to the Old Testament, and you see it's the Holy of Holies. It's the Holy of Holies. In the Old Testament, how many people? One. How often? One time. Now what? All God's people. When? All the time. The blood of Jesus has opened up a new way. Now it's not one, one day. It's all, all the time. What's the new way? What Jesus just said is, you wait for my perfect place in heaven. I've come to make you my perfect place now. And the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit live in you. You're the temple of the living God. And it's hard to comprehend, but the Holy of Holies is in you. But, this is the amazing thing. How can it be so close? It's right here. So I can have the Holy Hole of Holies right in me, and I can have access and still what? Not like Booty said, knocking her head. She's going, and not, isn't that amazing, Booty? How could we choose not to live there? Because you can live in the Holy of Holies day in and day out, moment in and moment out, hour, minute, second in and second out. You can actually dwell in a supernatural way where your soul is really living in the Holy of Holies. And that experience is really governing your life 24-7. You can have access and not live there. <laughs> but with that access, guess what? You can live there. You can live in a supernatural way and learn how. It takes time. That's what we're going to talk about. To take time to learn how to consciously live in the reality of my soul being in the Holy of Holies with the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. It is possible. It's possible for me to consciously experience that living. 
The same way you tell that holy priest, that priest that he didn't experience it, you think on that one day when that guy went through the veil and there was the glory in the Holy of Holies and he could feel God's presence in that place, you think when he came out somebody would say to him, you didn't really experience that, did you? No, sir. He knew what it was to walk into the Holy of Holies and actually experience the presence of Almighty God. One man, one day. And now God says, I want my people to learn how to consciously experience that reality day in and day out, hour in and hour out, in the holiest of holies. We have access to the perfect place to live, the holy of holies. Listen as he describes that in Ephesians 2, verse 13 through 18. These beautiful words describing that. Now in Christ Jesus, we who formerly, they're your Gentiles, who were far off, have been brought near. We have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. He himself is our peace. He made both Jews and Gentiles into one, destroying the barrier of the dividing wall. He abolished it in his own flesh. All the enmity, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in Jesus... He might make the two into one brand new man, establishing his peace, and reconcile them in one body to God through the cross, putting to death all hatred. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away, peace to you who were near. For through Jesus, we all have what? Access in one spirit to our Father, the Holy of Holies. Father's there, Jesus is there, the Holy Spirit's there, says to Booty and everyone else in this room, I want you to learn how to live there with me. The perfect place to live. I want you to learn how to live in the Holy of Holies with me. <laughs> oh, how we do love perfect Jesus. Amen? He is preparing a perfect place for us, <laughs> and he's preparing us for that perfect place. And while we're being prepared for that place, he wants us to live on earth in a perfect place. The Holy of Holies. So I'm going to read again those verses we have been meditating on from Revelation 1, verses 5 through 8. Oh, what a passage about perfect Jesus. I love these verses. God has written them on my heart so much with the Holy Spirit lately, I can't get away from them. Jesus Christ. From Jesus Christ, who is the faithful... Just pick out the nine things again. From Jesus Christ, who is what? The faithful witness. He is the firstborn from the dead. He is the ruler of all the kings of the earth. And He loves us. And He released us from all our sins by His blood. And He's made us into a kingdom of priests to His God and Father. And to him goes all the glory and all the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And behold, he is coming, Maranatha, Pastor Joseph, with the clouds. Jesus is coming soon. Every eye will see him. This is a quote from Zechariah 12. Even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. Even so, amen. And <laughs> it just keeps getting better and better. Jesus says, I am the Alpha. I am the Omega. I am the one who is and was, who was and is and is to come. I am the Almighty. Wow. I've been meditating on those uh, for weeks now because there are nine of them, nine truths about Jesus that knock your socks off. We have talked about the first five. 
We've talked about the first five. Number one, he is what? He is the faithful witness. <laughs> he is the one who came and faithfully in everything he did and said, revealed, displayed, and made known to the world the love of the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. He's the firstborn from the dead. That firstborn means first place in everything. He rose from the dead to prove he really is who he said he was. There really is one true <laughs> and living God who made man and saves sinners in contrast to many false dead gods that are man-made and cannot save. And the way you know it's true is Jesus Christ is the only religious founder who ever rose from the dead without decaying to prove that he is the truth. Hallelujah. Firstborn from the dead. Ruler of the kings of the earth. Right now he's on his throne and we worship king of kings and lord of lords. Jesus rules everything, everywhere, every second. Amen. Number four we looked at last time. How could you not jump up and down and just celebrate? He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. And number five, he released us from our sins by his blood so that the world, the flesh, and the devil could be broken and we can live in victory and abundant life every day. Jesus wants you to know that victory. Hallelujah. 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 And number six is the only one I want to look at today. They're just so great. Everyone just makes you shout. Number six, wow. Number six, just listen. Verse six, and, he just keeps saying and, he made us into a kingdom. A kingdom of what? Priest. That sounds weird. A kingdom of priest to his God and Father. He made us a kingdom of of priest to his God and Father. Number five, we've been looking at Jesus has made us his kingdom of priests. Hallelujah. This is not an earthly kingdom, is it? It's not an earthly geographical political entity. That's what the disciples were looking for, weren't they? They wanted an earthly kingdom, a geographical kingdom, a political kingdom. Aren't you going to make Israel great now? And Jesus says, you're just not getting it. Because it's not an earthly geographical political entity. It's a spiritual reality within you. That's why Jesus said the kingdom of God is where? Inside you. Why? The Father's in you. The Holy Spirit's in you. Jesus is in you. You are the temple of the Holy God. In your soul is the Holy of Holies. This is the kingdom of God reigning in you. Isn't that amazing? Note the kingdom focus. A, a what a priest? Did he say a nation of priests? No, a what? A kingdom of priests. What were the disciples looking for? Where was their focus and their hope? Making a nation great. Just read Acts 1. They wanted Israel to be great. Make Israel great. And God says, you aren't getting it right. The kingdom is not the earthly, geographical, political kingdom of making Israel great. You're missing it. The kingdom is within you. It's a spiritual divine reality that's invisible. And that's what I want to make great. It's not about making a nation great, is it? It's about a kingdom. There's so many even believers who are more interested in making America great than making the kingdom of Jesus great. And what's interesting about this kingdom is it has two almost diametrically opposed contrasts. One, it's actually in you. Spiritual, invisible within you. 
But then the contrast is it involves every race, every culture, and every language, and every place on this planet. Isn't that staggering? What's the kingdom for? Just Americans? No. Just Pakistanis? No. <laughs> Just the low-hard blacksmith Muslims? No. Isn't it amazing when we read this book that Jesus died for every tribe, every language, every race, every culture, and every what? Place. That's a big kingdom, isn't it? A big kingdom that covers every language, every culture, every race, and every place, and every square inch of this what? Whole planet and universe, and also is just within me. What a kingdom. Such a unique contrast. Both that unique personal reality within and then that kingdom reality. Every race, every culture, every language, and every place. What an unbelievable kingdom. Hallelujah. And what does he want us to be? A kingdom of what? Priests. Why does he say that? Why do you think he brings up this issue? Here we are in Revelation 1, 5 at the end of the Bible and tells Mark, tells this Mark and this Mark that he wants you to be a kingdom of priests. Why? They are disciples to carry the word, but what was it that the priests could do? The access, that's the whole point. The priest, the priest, the one and the highest priest, one man what? One day had access where? In the holies of holies. He's the kingdom of priests because now by the blood of Jesus, all people all the time into the holy of holies. That was one of the great things that did happen as a result of the Reformation. People were taught like Philip, that Philip, you don't have to have a priest to get into the holy place. You don't need a Roman Catholic church or a Protestant church or even a Protestant pastor. You don't need me to get close to Jesus. Now because of the blood of Jesus, you're a priest. <laughs> that means you've got 24-7 access like that card into the holiest of holiest of holies to have the closest access to the Father Jesus and the Holy Spirit imaginable. And the amazing thing is it's in you. It's already in you. That's what kind of blows my mind is how can it be so close to be in me and then I not live there? But your kingdom of what? Priest. Because he wants every believer to know that they always have 24-7 access into the holiest of holies. They don't need Pastor Joseph to get there or Pastor Brian to get there. Yes, we have a role, but you have direct access by the blood of Jesus that brings you into the holiest of holies and everything that entails that presence of God living. And you, Madeline, can go there anytime. Isn't that unbelievable? I mean, oh, it's better than the teller. A cash points card, 24-7 access, any moment, any time, no matter where you are, if you're on the mountain or at the beach or at your house or here, God says, oh, it doesn't matter any place, any time, any way, you are invited into the holiest of holies. In a certain way, what he's saying is my door's always open. You know, I, it's funny, you think back, pastors make so many mistakes and you learn them down the road. And I know one of the things was I knew how much... Uh, Preparing and praying and getting ready for teaching was important. And so I used to put on my door in my study a little sign because people would so much interrupt me, I'd never have time to, to get anything done, just nonstop interruptions. So I put on my door a little sign there on the outside, you know, pastor studying and praying, you know, you know, stay, you know don't interrupt. But our God in heaven don't have one of those signs. Aren't you glad? 
Yeah, he's just taken the door, Joel, and he's just opened it wide. And he's in here in the holiest of holy places. Joel, Joel, he just looks at Joel and he says, Joel, my door's always open. Father's here. Jesus is here. Holy Spirit here. Never shut. Never. Never. Even when you sin, even when you rebel, even when you do stupid things, my door's always open. And here's the holiest place in the universe where she would think, how can I go into that place? I feel so dirty. You know, and we go the same way that Jesus went. How do we go? The blood of Jesus. Isn't that great? Wow, the blood of Jesus gets Brian in the door. <laughs> I don't have to bring a sacrifice. Not my blood or a calf or a goat. Uh, the blood of Jesus means that door's always open for me. That's the best. I just can't get over that. Then my father says, my door's always open, Brian. Even when you've had a bad week into the holy, holy. And I say, Lord, but I'm so unholy. Can I step into that holy place? He says, please. And if you step in there, I'm going to throw my arms around you and give you a father hug. And a savior hug, Holy Spirit hug. We're always invited. Isn't that amazing? Always invited into that kingdom. The focus is on the holiest of holies. That's why we're a kingdom of priests. The Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit saying, by the Son's blood, the door is always open. And I want you to know you can actually live in the Holy of Holies, consciously. You can learn how to dwell and live in the Holiest of Holies. Consciously dwell that. You can have access to the Holiest of Holies and fail to take advantage of living in the perfect place. Isn't that amazing? I thought about that all week. I thought about that with my little car. I said, well, I've got access, but I don't have to use it. How could it be that Jesus could provide this kind of access and that I could actually consciously choose, or maybe not consciously, to not take advantage of the access he's given me, doors open, blood of Jesus, and I can live in the Holy of Holies all the time. That is made available to all believers all the time. So I want to give you a couple key passages to help you understand this. And I'm actually give you a key phrase ahead of time. This is a phrase that's used in the Old Testament and the New Testament that talks about how. How do you live in the holy place? How does that happen? If he's made access and then I choose not to, how does it happen? And the key phrase you hear repeated that I want to use is the word pressing in or pressing on, or even pressing up. Paul uses the phrase, I'm pressing on for the goal of the high cross. In Hosea, I'm pressing on. It usually says pressing on, or pressing in, or pressing up. Listen to just a couple. This is Hosea chapter 5 at the end in chapter 6. Hosea 5.15 through chapter 6, verse 3. They were walking in defiant rebellion against God. You read the context of the passage. And here's what the Lord actually says to them. Verse 15, I will go away. Isn't that interesting? So God was going to actually leave them. He says, I'm going to go away and return to my place, my holy place, until... They are willing to acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. In their affliction, they are going to. In their affliction, they will start earnestly seeking me. 
Then he says, come. This is the guy's answer to that. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us up. He will revive us after two days and raise us up on the third day so that we can live in his presence. What's the next thing he says? So let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Let us press on. Let's press on. He's opened the door. He's made it available. Let's go for it. Let's work for it. Let's seek it. Let's press on to know the Lord. His going forth is as certain as the coming dawn. He's going to come to us like rain. He's going to come to us like the spring rain watering the earth. Hallelujah. Let's do what? Press on to know the Lord. Press on. My favorite passage in the whole Bible. I shouldn't have a favorite, and I don't know if I do. I love the whole book, but uh, this one's been my life verse, so I guess it, it, uh, it uh, has more of a place in my heart maybe than anything. Uh, Philippians 3, 7 through 14. Paul says, Whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count everything to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, but I count it all rubbish so that I can what? Gain Christ, and that I may be found in Jesus not having a righteousness of my own derived from laws, but the righteousness which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God as a gift on the basis of faith, that I may know Him. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death so that I can attain to the resurrection from the dead. And what does he say to these brothers and sisters? Brothers, sisters, I haven't already obtained it. I haven't already become perfect. I'm what? Pressing on. He wants to get into the holy place. I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on. What am I pressing on for? To lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ laid hold of me. Brothers, sisters, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. I haven't arrived. One thing my whole life, one thing forgetting what lies behind, I'm straining forward to what lies ahead. I'm pressing, pressing, pressing for the prize of the goal of Jesus Christ, the upward call of God. I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. Can't you feel it? He's pressing on. He's pressing on. He knows about the holiest of holies. He knows the access to the priest. He says, he, he's saying to Booty and me and to Philip, he's saying, I hadn't arrived, Mark. But I want to learn how to live there 24-7. First part of the passage, he's talking about justification, but not at the end. At the end, he's talking about how can I get there? How can I live in the holiest of holies? I want it. I yearn for it. I seek it. I'm pressing on for it. Pressing on, pressing on. Amen? Pressing on. He wants this place. He wants to learn how to live there. Unbelievable. Hebrews 5.11 same thing, you hear the same phrase in different places. In Hebrews 5.11, it's a rebuke where God says, I need to correct you. You and me, Pastor Joseph, he's, he's rebuking us. Listen, Hebrews 5.11 through verse 6.1. Concerning Jesus, we have much... To, this is such a 
humbling passage. Just listen to the first phrase. Can you imagine if God said this to me, if he had to come to me at night and say this? I mean, just listen. Concerning Jesus, I have a whole lot to say to you, but I can't explain it because you have become too dull of hearing. Oh, wow. Oh, don't say that, Jesus. Concerning Jesus, you have much to teach me, but I've become so dull of hearing, you can't explain it to me. Oh, you make me cry. Verse 12, by this time you ought to be teaching others. You have need for somebody to teach you the elementary principles of the Word of God. You need the baby milk. You can't eat the solid food. Everyone who partakes just of the milk isn't accustomed to the Word of righteousness. You're a baby. You haven't grown up. Verse 14, Solid food is for who? Not everybody. It's for the mature. Who because of what? Practice. They've learned to practice Jesus. They're not just intellectuals who learn their Bible. They're not just theologians who've got the precision. They don't just apply their analytical acumen. They've learned how to live Jesus. To put it into practice. Then what does he say? Their senses have been trained and they now know how to discern good and evil. And oh, what an exhortation in verse 1 of chapter 6. Therefore, leave the elementary teachings about the Christ. Let us press on to maturity. Wow. Pastor Joseph, I mean, Pastor Bill says that to us all the time. You know, he, he tells us, he said, time to grow up. Joel, time to grow up. It is. It is, isn't it, Sonia? It is. It's not time for any more of this elemental baby stuff anymore. God's looking for people who are ready to grow up in Christ. And how do you do that? Press on. That's part of it. Press on to maturity. You see how it's a pressing on? It's not easy. It takes work. You know, tell Jonathan, you're just starting that school. Pressing on to maturity. Pressing on. You see the same thing, just two more that come out of the Psalms. Psalm 27, 4 and 8. When Paul wrote Philippians 3, 7, he had Psalm 27, 4 in his heart. If you read it, you'll understand that. That's why at the end of Philippians 3, he says, Brothers, sisters, I haven't arrived yet. But then what does he say? But what? One thing. You know, they actually added in their English translations, one thing I do. Did you know that I do is not there? It just says, one thing. Why does it just say, one thing, because he was quoting Psalm 27, 4. One thing I've desired from the Lord. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I've desired from the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty and the glory of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Verse 8, when you said to me, seek my face, my heart answered to you, your Face I will seek. Psalm 27, it's all about the holiest of holies. One thing I've asked from the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell, live in the holy of holies all the days of my life. Why? I want to behold the beauty and glory of the Lord and meditate in His temple. When you invited me, seek my face, my heart answered, your face, your face, your face, I will, I will, I will seek, seek, seek. That's another word similar to pressing on, seeking, pressing on, seeking. And I just read it this morning. You want to talk about what might be the most beautiful song in the whole Bible 
about living in the holiest of holies, it might be what I'd called us to worship with. Psalm 84. If you read this again, just notice how he's talking about the holy of holies. Just listen to what he says. How lovely are your dwelling places, holiest of holies, O Yahweh, God of angel armies. My soul is longing and yearning for these courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh, they're singing for joy to the living God. Even the bird has found a house. He's talking about a bird that built its nest in the temple. Even this bird built a nest for herself where she can lay her young babies. Where did she build it? She built it on your altars, O Lord of hosts. I wonder what he was actually seeing, my King and my God. How blessed is every single person who will dwell and live in your house. Live where? Holy of holies. They're living in your house. Do you think that meant they just spent their whole life in the temple? No. There actually were very few minutes they were actually there. They were learning how to live in the holy place even when they weren't in church. You don't have to be in church to live in the holy place. They are always praising you. How blessed is the person whose strength is in you and their heart of the highways to Zion. Passing through the valley of tears, they turn it into a spring. The rain covers it with blessings. They go from strength to more strength. Everyone appears before God in Zion. Oh Lord, you are the God of angel armies. Listen to my prayer. Give ear to me, God of Israel, our shield. Look upon the face of your anointed one day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of your temple, just not even at the door of my God, than to live in the tents of wickedness. O oh Lord God, you are my sun, my shield. O oh Lord God, you give me grace and glory. No good thing do you ever hold back from those who walk uprightly. O oh God of angel armies, how blessed is every single person who will place their trust in you. It's a song all about wanting to live there. Now, I know God didn't want me. You know, some people made that mistake, haven't they? They think, okay, to live in the Holy of Holies means I've got to go be a monk, go out in the desert somewhere, and spend 24-7. I don't think that's it. You know, God wants you out there on the streets serving hurting, needy people and being active, practicing his life. You know, sometimes maybe we spend, I don't want to say that, but maybe too much time in church. You know, I don't have to be in church, do I, to be in the Holy of Holies? Because all people are invited how often? All the time, 24-7 access. So let me just give you five closing words just to think about when you meditate on this applications and just think about these words. Number one, desire. Just want it. Did you notice how much he yearned it? I love Psalm 63. Oh, God, you are my God. I seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and where we really land where there is no water. You can just feel the hunger, the thirst, the seeking. So number one, want it, desire it. Number two, effort. Did you notice Paul's words pressing on? You know what that word is a picture of? It's a picture of an Olympic athlete who to become a champion has to train and work and discipline themselves and really put a, a thought-out effort. It's something that requires a lot of time, a lot of thought, a lot of preparation, a lot of effort. Amen? 
You don't, Pastor Joseph's run marathons all the time. Did you just wake up one morning, Pastor Joseph, and say, oh, I think I'll run a marathon today. You would have never made it. You had to think about it. You had to plan about it. You had to train for it. You had to get ready. It involved physical discipline, mental discipline, emotional discipline, spiritual discipline, and you had to work hard, hard, hard. And then it took a lot of what? Effort. For you to be able to have your hands up when you... How did it feel, Pastor Joseph? How does it feel when you cross that finish line at the end? How does that feel? Yeah. What a feeling, isn't it? You prepared, you worked, you trained, you disciplined yourself, you ran that race, and you raised your hands, and when you saw that finish line, oh, wow, what a feeling. Effort. If you really want to live there, it is going to require effort. Losing to gain. Do you notice what Paul said? I count all things what? Loss. What do Hebrews 12 says? Let us run with endurance the race you set before us, laying aside every what? Weight. You know, I'll tell you, if you really want to climb high, this is the phrase God's put in my mind recently. Everybody's got a different picture, but what he's put in my mind, it's like climbing a mountain. He keeps saying to me, I can actually hear it. Aren't you glad? I can hear the Holy Spirit say to my spirit, Brian, climb higher. Climb higher, Brian. And I like it. When I hear it, climb higher. Because I realize this evil increases if you want to avoid the evil. Climb higher. Climb higher, Brian. Climb higher. Right. And you know what? You're climbing a mountain. What do those people do when they're trying to make the peak of Everest? You begin to get close. What do you have to start doing? You ever notice? You got to leave stuff behind. <laughs> Can't make those last 500 yards with all that pack and tent, Pastor Joseph. We got to leave some stuff behind. And I don't know what God wants you to leave behind. I'm not sure what He wants me to leave behind. Holy Spirit has to teach me that. All I know is you got to lose to gain. And it's worth it. I count all things lost for the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of everything. I count it but rubbish that I may gain Christ. You got to lose to gain. You got to lose to gain. Number four, the faith word. Did you notice Philippians 7 how often that faith word keeps coming up again and again and again? You got to have supernatural faith to live in the Holy of Holies. I'm not talking about something that's just intellectual. A lot of people, their faith is nothing but here. Other people, it's nothing but here. It's emotional. I'm talking about supernatural, transformational, Holy Spirit faith that enables you to live in the Holy of Holies. You need faith. Number five, what do we note when we write that? Over and over in that text, suffering. Did you notice that? You notice that? Paul says, I want to know him. And we sang the song. And the power of his resurrection, it doesn't end there, does it, Joel? And, he's got an and after the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. We ignore that part. He's not talking about the cross that he died. He's talking about Psalm 69, 9 sufferings, where the psalmist says, Zeal for your glory has consumed my soul, and the reproaches of people who hate you have fallen on me. If you are really, really, really hungry for Jesus, and if you really, really, really pursue him, then the world's hatred for God will be aimed at you. And let me tell you one thing. There's no way around it. There's no escape if you think you can escape. If you really, really want Jesus and you want to live in the holiest of holies, then the world's hatred for God will be aimed right at 
you and you'll suffer. You know, another kind of suffering? Mm-hmm. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. You're exactly right. Taken suffering, but you'd rather fight against. You're exactly right. Uh, as under strife. Yes. That is so true. I can't tell you how true that is. That's why there's so much writing in Scripture in 1 Peter and other places to teach you how to suffer. Why do you think? Read 1 Peter chapter, the whole, the whole book of 1 Peter is all about instructions for Christians to teach them how to suffer when it happens. You're exactly right. It's to teach you. Suffering's two more real quick. We keep seeing again and again that picture of dying and rising. Did you know that? Did you notice in Philippians when he said, um, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. you remember the next phrase? And being conformed to his death so that I can attain to the resurrection. And that's when he then tells the brothers and sisters, I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> I'm striving, pressing on. Why? So I can lay hold of what Christ laid hold of me for. Brothers, sisters, I haven't gotten there yet. One thing, forgetting what lies behind. I'm straining forward to what lies ahead so that I can grab hold of this prize. And how does it happen? I have to be conformed to his what? Death. I told you over and over, the heart of the gospel is the cross of Jesus put into death in you everything that needs to die so that the resurrection of Jesus can raise up in you what? Everything that needs to live. There's no resurrection life without Pastor Joseph dying. He's got to learn how to die. He's got to learn how to die every day, 24-7. He's got to die to self-centeredness and to selfishness and to self-will and to self-pleasing and to self-effort and to self-pity and self-exaltation. He has to die by work of faith. If, Romans 8 says, by the Holy Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of your flesh, then you will live. You cannot experience resurrection power in living unless by the Holy Spirit you are the executioner putting to death what needs to die in you. Amen? Got to die to rise. Got to die to rise. And last of all is the picture from Philippians 3 is the Olympic game picture. This really is the picture of an Olympic athlete running a marathon who is prepared for that race, trained for that race, disciplined himself physically. God's been putting that on my heart a lot lately. Everything in me belongs to him, including my diet, what I eat. Pastor Joseph talks about this all the time. My body is a what? Temple of the Holy Spirit. I need to be strong physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and every other way. I need to be serious about what I do with my body, about exercise for my body, sleep for my body. Nutrition for my body, right? What I eat, what I don't eat. That's part of giving everything to God, you know, is that you actually have to do that. And so this picture of a, of a, a marathon athlete, you know, who everything. i got to prepare for my marathon, train for my marathon. I have to have physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual strength, and I have to be prepared. I have to work what? Hard. And then when I run the race, it's going to take a lot of what? Effort. So if I want this holy of holies, I'm an Olympic athlete. The last one is the Olympic picture of Olympic athlete. So it's the picture of an Olympic athlete who prepares, who trains, really an Olympic athlete running a marathon race. Paul uses that many places in Scripture. 
And he keeps telling people, I haven't arrived. Amen? Let me pray. Father, I do thank you for your great word of truth. There's nothing more wonderful than this fact that we live in the new covenant by the blood of Jesus. He's inaugurated a new and living way. Not one man one day, but all your people all the time have access into the holiest of holies. But Lord, we want more than access. We're so thankful for the access. But now we want to learn how to press on for the prize. Teach us how to actively pursue a conscious life of living in the reality of the holy of holies, moment by moment in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.